Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the latest Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. This episode is a little bit different as I chat with the composer Sam Hullick and his wife Sarah Potius. Sam is a BAFTA-nominated NBC News award-winning composer for film, television and video games. He's probably best known for his work on the original Mass Effects trilogy and the Baldur's Gate game series. He also has a background in computer programming, and this led to him, along with Sarah, who has a background in design, building the app RealCrafter. Frustrated with the lack of a decent platform for composers and musicians to present their demo reels, Sam and Sarah decided to develop one of their own. It's become a massive success and has been used by some of Hollywood's biggest composers, including people such as the five-time Emmy-winning composer Jeff Beale, who wrote the music for House of Cards, Christopher Lenertz, who wrote things like Lost in Space and Supernatural, the brilliant Trevor Morris, who wrote things like Olympus of Fallen Tudors, plus many, many more. We wanted to talk, obviously, about the Mass Effects stuff and uh, his video game work but also wanted to talk a little bit about the real crafter app and their thought process and development behind that as well of course if you want more regular tv film and gaming news you can also subscribe to this podcast and you will get the geek town radio podcast as well which gives you a weekly update on tv film and gaming along with all the geek town behind the scenes podcast as well here's the interview with sam and sarah <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Thank you for coming on and uh, just being able to chat a little bit. I've been looking around at Real Crafter and uh, obviously not a product directly aimed at me, but uh, it's a great system you've got set up. Do you want to just explain a little bit about it and uh, what it is? Sure, absolutely. So as a composer, to get work, basically you have to send uh, a proposal or a pitch. Yeah. Um, generally, it's like there's a project that comes up, let's say a video game, and they you get in touch with someone and, and uh, they have an idea like what they want to do. Like we want music for a zombie horror game or whatever, and they'll send you a brief and then 
you will put together some of your examples of uh, some samples of your music and send back to them, which is just a demo reel. So basically this whole process, there was never any kind of standard to send off demo reels. Like right. people would use things like SoundCloud or Dropbox, um, but there's, they work okay, but there's just certain things that are clunky. So just feeling these pain points in the demo process, I decided to fix it and build Real Crafter. Nice, nice. And uh, I mean, you compose it, but you have a background in computers as well. Yeah, both. Kind I grew up doing both around the same time. Like I remember learning, uh, just teaching myself how to program at age 13 <laughs> uh, and also getting into music around the same time, actually starting out writing music on my computer with um, trackers. Right. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm pretty old school. Uh, I just dated myself by, by saying that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yes, my, my brother was very much the same. He was a, a music and computer science was his degree. And uh, he actually ended up doing computers and keeping the music for a hobby instead. So uh, wow, you'd be surprised how many people I've, I've met who are composers with computer science backgrounds. There's there's a weird kind of yeah. overlap there for sure. Yeah, it is strange because they're two things that on the surface you wouldn't necessarily think go together, but that I, you're not the first person to say that. I've seen met yeah. a large group of people that have those backgrounds. So um, you've set this up with your wife, Sarah, who is also there somewhere. <laughs> Yep, I am here. <laughs> um, so, and uh, your background's in design, isn't it? Yes. That's a really great combination. You really, what else are you going to do but build computer programs <laughs> and apps? I mean, you know. That's right. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's actually funny you mentioned that. Um, when I started building uh, Real Crafter, I kind of started just on my own and she and Sarah was working in, in jewelry design and other design stuff. And uh, there was a point where she was looking more at what I was building like design wise. And she was like, uh, no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's no. going to happen. And then, so I started to rely on her more and, and it, it really resulted in a, in a beautiful product that looks way better than it would have if I had done this by myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, my, my background in web develop, well, web design, actually, I mean, I, I could date myself as well because I started designing things for screen before the internet was a thing so uh, (laughs) you know I have that sort of background as well and uh, yeah my brother being a computer scientist that's something that I'm all too familiar with looking over his shoulder at things going no don't do it like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah I totally relate to that Uh, but so uh, Sarah you got involved how how did you come up with the interface design and and working together on that Hmm, that's a good question well I guess for interface design so I had worked on Walgreens e-commerce. Right. And yeah. it was very, very U, UI UX heavy. So I got a good dose of that in my professional career. And that was really helpful when Sam was working on the real crafter design because I'm like, oh, I have lots of experience with this. So <laughs> that was very helpful. And then design was also really important in the final product that Real Crafter creates, which is the reel yeah. that the musicians send out. <clears throat> So I designed that. Um, it's very simple, but it doesn't matter what types of graphics, uh, videos, pictures people put into their reels. They all look stunning because it's just a very flexible design. So yeah. that was really important to me when we were creating this. It seems to have hugely taken off. I mean, I, the amount of sites that I have come across that must be using it and I hadn't actually realized because I noticed there were a few of the, the names of the, the guys that you've got using it, like 
Trevor Morris, Jeff Beal, Nathan Lehner, who I interviewed only a few weeks ago. So I've probably oh, been, no. been on and, and used these things because you can embed it in your own website as well and not realize that that's where the sound was coming from. Right, uh, correct. It seems to have hugely taken off. Did you expect it to grow the level it did? No, not <laughs> I mean, it's funny, like, I don't know. I, I didn't really plan for that level, like, guys. I knew it was this thing we were building to help people and to, to solve a big pain point for musicians, composers. But it's weird, like, the first time that I got a sign-up notification from, like, a big name, I'm sitting there and my phone my phone goes off and I look at it and it's like, so-and-so signed up. And I did, like, a double take at my phone, like, whoa, who? Like, wow. And uh, that, that started happening more often. I'm like that's really cool. Like we have something here. Like it, it just really validated all the hard work that we put into building the business. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, what for people that maybe are looking at this, what are the advantage over using something like you say the you know, Dropbox, SoundCloud, um, mm-hmm. even shoving things up on YouTube? I mean, you know, there, there are other ways that people can get reels and stuff out to people. What's the advantage of using sure. something like Realcrafter? You know, the, the big thing is that those solutions aren't really tailored uh, for composers. Like mm. being a composer myself, I knew the exact pain points in the demo process. So for example, you know, like Dropbox, you send files to somebody and oftentimes they have to download a zip file and clutter up their computer. Mm. Uh, I believe you can stream audio, but I've heard complaints about the audio quality, like skipping or something doesn't really quite work out well there. There's no way to customize the layout of, of things you send through Dropbox as far as like putting like a nice layer of polish on it. Mm. Um, and, and SoundCloud, like the sound quality, you know, like I, I believe it's like 128 K bits and it's um, some people just don't find that sufficient. So yeah. I wanted to solve those problems as far as sound quality, presentation, but our biggest feature by far is is our tracking. Like we have a really detailed level of tracking that no one else offers where I can send a demo reel to a company and I can see which tracks were, were played, um, which tracks were skipped. I can see if they skipped within a track to the end of it. <laughs> so it, it, it's so detailed. It gives me a, like a really good idea of their engagement level. And that helps me revise my future pitches. Like if they skip, you know, several people keep skipping the same track then I know that this track is kind of a, bum, a bummer and I'll just take it off my reel or move it down. And it helps with follow-up too. Like if, if I'm waiting to hear back from somebody and maybe I'm about to send them an email and then I just saw they open my reel, then I'll back off for a few days and give them time to kind of soak it in. So um, yeah, the, the tracking is definitely our number one thing that people really appreciate about it. Yeah, I can imagine. Have you got more features you're looking to add into it or are you planning on keeping it fairly straightforward? Oh no, we have all kinds of stuff planned. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't give too many details sure. um, to what we're getting into, but we, I will say that generally we're looking at expanding into other sort of tangential music markets like uh like djs bands other people just besides composers obviously i i built it with composers first because i am one yes uh and i i knew what we needed like i had an intimate knowledge of of um the struggles involved in sending demos uh and now we're doing more research and talking to other people and and, and figure out what they need um to be successful in in pitching for like gigs or or um music labels and things like that so yeah there's all kinds of new features and, and big stuff planned that's awesome and uh you can try it for free can't you if you want to go and use it and there's a there's paid versions as well it's actually really reasonably priced the highest level tier is like 17 dollars or 16 
something and sure. that's in, if you're in la which half the composers are that's like the price of a couple of coffees probably so yeah yeah definitely i, I, I can't guarantee the prices will always stay the same uh but our, our we'll never raise prices on our existing customers it's just not what we do so yeah so um i wish you all success with it because it's a really great yeah. platform and uh, i just want to mention too we, we actually uh we're adding another plan level called premium which will add all sorts of features just to help with like the uh, music delivery process. And so that will be a new level above pro coming soon at some undisclosed date. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. And you've kind of using it for, you know, people can embed it on their, to, onto their website as well. If they want to track sort of what people are playing on their website, as well as using it to send out reels, even though the primary purpose is for sending out reels as well. So they can use it that way too. Uh, we don't actually have tracking on web embeds oh, okay. uh, at this point, but that's, that's coming in the near future for sure. We get a lot of requests for that one. Okay, cool. So yeah, it's, it's got multiple uses, which is great. Um, on top of being developers of a great app, you are a composer in your own right as well. There is that. Yep. And uh, do, do some of the things you worked on, the Mass Effect trilogy, and you've worked on the Baldur's Gate series as well. You've done some movies and stuff. How did you sort of get into composing for video games? How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> we'll need a separate podcast for that one. Um, I guess the, the short story, I don't know. I was just at, at a young age, I was attracted to music and video games for whatever reason, like early stuff like Shadow of the Beast series by, I think his name is Tim Wright. Yes. Uh, okay. Early inspiration stuff. And I just, um, I don't know, I just one day I decided instead of film music, I wanted to get into games instead of writing music for TV and film. So I just started my, my earliest demos I sent out were actually CDs in the mail to Bioware. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A long, long time ago, back when I was no good. <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah, that basically my, my first professional paid gig was in 2003. I pitched in on a, on a PlayStation two title called Maximo versus army of Zen. And it just went, went from there and yeah, mass effect one, man, ancient history. Now yeah. that was like, I started working on it 2005 or six with Jack Wall. Yeah, you're working with, with Jack on that. And how do you sort of end up splitting the work when there's two of you on a project like that? Well, I was pretty new to this thing. Like I had worked on some stuff before, but nowhere near the magnitude of Mass Effect. I mean, I was shocked when they when they asked me to, <laughs> to, to work on this. I'm like, wow, like I just couldn't get over it. Um, so, you know, Jack at that point, like he was instrumental in me just learning the ropes because I had never, I'd never worked with like a, a client that big before. Hmm. Uh, so mostly like Jack took point and he was like handing stuff off to me, like here, like you can work on this or this or, and uh, I mean, I was happy to work on, on anything really. So um, yeah, Jack was really great in sort of like providing like a, I guess sort of like a safe way to learn how to work with a big client like that and take feedback and make revisions and get back to them. So yeah, pretty much at that point, Jack was, was handing stuff off to me. And then that sort of shifted a bit like Mass Effect 2 and 3. I was more comfortable in my own skin working on a major project. So yeah. And what are you composing that sort of stuff on? Is it is it majority sort of synths and, and that sort of thing? Or are you using live instruments and stuff on those projects? It was all sample based and synth based, at least on, on my end. I know, I know Jack hired uh, a couple solo instrumentalists for I think Mass Effect 2. Um, actually, I take that back. I did hire a violinist on Mass Effect 3 for a few things just to to add some life into some of the tracks. But yeah, for the most part, sample-based orchestra mixed with synthesizers. 
all software, no no hardware since, just because they take up a lot of space and they don't have a lot of money. <laughs> well, yes, yes, that is true. There's like a meme out there. It's like, you want to buy a truck or a synthesizer? <laughs> yeah, I know they're horrifically expensive. What would you say is the thing that you've done that you've been most proud of, other than obviously the, the app? <laughs> oh, geez. I don't know. That's I don't know if I can even give one answer. I mean, to me, it's like every... Every project I take on is special in its own way. Mm. Um, I mean, Mass Effect obviously is just, it's amazing to have been involved in that project. It's its timeless, you know, mm. and it's crazy to see people just now picking up Mass Effect 1 for the first time. And then they'll reach out to me and say, I love the music. And it's amazing. And then there's like, these other projects too I worked on. Like I, I, I scored a documentary for PBS. That was fantastic. I, I just... I don't know, just the project itself and the musical style and working with live instrumentalists. We had like a small sort of like a, like a string quartet with a, with a flute player. And I don't know, there's just every project I work on, There's it has its own way that's special to me. So it's really hard to just pick one that's a real standout. Yeah. And you've been working on film projects as well now. Do you have a preference for one or the other? Is that something you'd like to do more of? Or do you, do you like having a balance of, of games and films? I, I like the balance. I, I'm someone who likes variety. I did start to focus a bit more on film once we moved to LA for a short period of time. Uh, I never really broke into like you know, like major, major film stuff, uh, mostly working on shorts. Um, and that's, that's the typical path that one takes yeah. is like you start off with short films and sort of build from there. But yeah, I really like working on film. Um, it's funny because I, when I was more involved or I, I guess early on with like Mass Effect one and two, I didn't like writing music for cinematics. I just found it really challenging. And so I'm like, uh, I, I never saw myself as writing music for film because of that. Like, I just didn't know how to approach it from like a, from a technical standpoint. And then that totally flipped. And I just like, I suddenly just started love writing to picture. I'm really sure why it just, I guess I picked up some tips from people and, and how to time things and, and sequence it. So, yeah. Do you tend to stick with things like sense and stuff when you're writing stuff or are there occasions where you pick up like weird instruments or try and sort of sneak other things in there? Oh yeah. I always try to throw in like weird instruments. I mean, it's not like I try to shoehorn something in that doesn't fit. No. Um, obviously it's always about the vision first. So whatever the project uh, whatever fits the project, right? So like one example, I co-wrote the music for A Way Out. Yes. Uh, and for that one, it was it was set in the 70s. And so I had to come up with sort of like a 70s-esque palette of sounds. And it was like, I think the initial ideas, it was like, there was jazz flute in there, which that, that, that was thrown out quickly. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> in the end, it was like a mixture of um, orchestral instruments with electric guitars and like vintage keys, like uh, like a Rhodes Mark II. A really cool mix of stuff and it, it worked out really well. So yeah, I just use whatever works for the project. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I've spoken to some people and they're like, they're, they're finding household objects and, you know, uh, we've had, uh, I know there was one guy that got shouted at by his partner because he'd taken all the scissors from around the house to record something. <laughs> By so, far the weirdest thing I the weirdest thing I've used in a soundtrack is uh, a donkey jaw. Uh have you seen these things? No. It, it's like it actually is an instrument, but it's like just the the bone jaw of a donkey and and the teeth are kind of loose a little bit and uh, I used it as a shaker in like a a project that never unfortunately didn't see the light of day, but it was with the Beam Dog guys. They had like this concept they wanted to right. to try out. So, yeah, I've used I've used a couple of weird things in, in <laughs> in demos and games okay that's one i've not heard before <laughs> that's good and then we had to have a donkey jaw sitting around for a long time <laughs> yes yes the the perils of living with somebody that's a composer i think <laughs> <laughs> have you got anything else 
coming up because i mean the, I, I guess one of the advantages i mean we're all stuck indoors at the moment but then most composers are stuck in small rooms anyway so you know <laughs> yeah there's no change in scenery on this end that's for sure yeah yeah music wise i'm still open to projects um things come across my inbox once in a while and uh yeah i just take it as it comes in and and, and balance that out with working on on real crafter of course and uh you know thankfully sarah's here to help and we have a couple other people um, helping out part-time too. So that's kind of a new thing, actually, just having part-time help. Because for the longest time, it was just the two of us. Yeah. Um, we have a couple of people helping out and and we try, we make an effort to hire people who are in the music industry in some way too. So kind of building that company culture of like, you know, we're a music company and people who work for us are, are music based. That's good. I mean, how is it working together when you're also married? Is that has that been easy, difficult, but harder than maybe it would have been otherwise? <laughs> I, you would think so. And people always expect that. They're like, don't you guys like fight? I'm like, no, we, we don't. We, I'll tell you this. We, we lived in LA for a few years. We lived in a loft that was, uh, I, I guess I always call it like zero bedrooms because there really wasn't a bedroom. It was just a big area with a bathroom and we had a Murphy bed and we both worked from home like 24 seven and we made it out alive. So <laughs> yeah, we just, I don't know. We just happened to work together really well. And the lines between work and personal don't really blur as much, which is good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, it just works. And, uh, I'm really grateful for that. Well, we both have very different skill sets yet. We're both creative. So I think that helps a lot. Like we understand the creative process, but yet mm -hmm. he does one thing and I do another. So yes, I think it, it would be more difficult if you were both working on this, exactly the same stuff that might cause more problems but uh, yeah no i think it's it's great that you know just to say you have your sort of own development studio just between the pair of you <laughs> which is lovely you know that's fantastic yeah, absolutely a couple of last questions for you they're always tv related because a lot of the stuff we cover on the site is tv shows so the first question is what tv shows are you watching at the moment oh man uh a lot because <laughs> yeah. i know a lot <laughs> we just wrapped up the last season of Ozark. Um, that's one of our favorites. I love yeah, that show. Great show. And uh, I always try to find something that he's not watching because I'll be like, I just need to take a break and I want to go just stream something. So I'm watching True Blood right now from the beginning. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. That's no, a great yeah, I show. Like, I feel like since the pandemic, it's like a good time to just go back in time and look at these shows that, you know, we just missed for whatever reason. Yeah, so. it is. It's a great time to catch up. And lastly, if you had the opportunity to work as a composer on a TV show can be something either from the past, something present or some sort of future genre. What show would it be? Oh, man. I've never even really thought of that, to be honest. I think you have me stumped. Weird. I can't think of anything. I think of all these TV shows I watch and, and I don't know. Well, which one do you really love the music in? Well, that's a different question. There, there are shows that, you know what, the, the music in Westworld is awesome. Yes. I, I, okay, like the main theme alone, but also the music throughout the episodes. It's so synth heavy and it just works and it's intense and gritty. I love it. That's that's <laughs> Ramin, isn't it? I think. That's, yeah, it is. But yeah. I wouldn't work on it because it's perfect. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, that is the difficulty with that question. There are some shows where, where you kind of, maybe you just want a little bit of it, you know, but you don't want to change it too much, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. Ramin's amazing. Um, there's somebody that I haven't actually managed to get 
to interview yet, but Rubini's amazing. I would like to try and sit him down at some point. He's, he's definitely one of the one of the best thematic writers lately, I think. Like his his themes just really stick in your head. I, I'm finding less less of that these days. Yeah. Well, it's been lovely being able to have a quick chat with you. I know you've got to get off, so I won't keep you. But hopefully next time you're if you know the Mass Effect game maybe pops up or uh, you never know. something else, you know, uh, maybe come back on and uh, chat about that. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, lovely to meet you both. Bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.